Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D.com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. been in a series for the last three weeks on sonship, and um, that's kind of hard for a lot of people sometimes to understand what sonship is about, even though we're sons and daughters of God, amen? Each one of us are sons and daughters of God. Of course, when we're born again, we become disciples, and we're being discipled in the things of the Lord, learning things, because the word disciple means a student, a learner, somebody who's growing in the Lord, but that's not where, how many know that's not where the Lord leaves us? He leads us into maturity and into sonship. And, well, in, for the ladies, daughtership, okay? But actually, the Bible says we're all sons of God. And that's what I want to just bring this one scripture. And I, I, I'm going to be handing, I handed something to you all. You all got a copy of something. The reason you got this copy is because this was in my first teaching, first Sunday. And this is, we're on the third Sunday. There's some right there. Take a, take a. Anybody else didn't get one? So this was in my thir- first teaching of my, th- and we're in the third one today. And I says, I'm going to give you this because I, I, it's just so good. And I just know that you n- would like it. If you don't like it, you could leave it on, the, on your uh, seat there. Somebody will pick it up and we'll put, we're going to put some of them back, in, back over there for those who couldn't make it today. But I just want to use one scripture out of Galatians chapter 4. In the authorized King James, 1611. How many have an authorized King James on them today? One? Okay. Oh, you have one? Okay. There's two. So it's the 1611 authorized King James. In uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. It says, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. And I really believe that the church and many of God's people who have known him for quite some time need to move into an identity of sonship rather than just discipleship. I'm not saying discipleship is not necessary. It's necessary. But there's times when we move on from discipleship to sonship and start realizing who we are in Christ, what we possess, what we were given. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen? And so if you, if you read this with me, it says, As you take time this week to sit in God's presence, which we were in his presence really strong today in praise and worship. Thank you, Tammy, Teresa, Kevin, and Glenn, and Mike. It was excellent today. It was powerful. Hardly wanted to come out of it. But God's presence, and remember that you are a son or daughter of God Ask God for these things as a part of your prayer to him. In prayer, number one in prayer, call forth your sonship as a part of your belonging 
to the Jesus generation. There's a lot of things going around in the body of Christ. You have people saying we're in the Elijah generation. We have people who say we're in the Joshua generation. We have people saying they're in the Moses generation. I don't know where everybody's at, but I know I'm in the Jesus generation. I'm a disciple of Christ. Amen. And that's where I dwell. But if you want to be in another, I'm not going to fight with you about it. If you want to be Elijah generation, you can. It's okay. John the Baptist generation, whatever you want to be, that's okay. But that's where I'm at. And number two, in prayer, call forth your destiny to manifest God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's something we covered in our first teaching back in the first week in John 3.13 where Jesus said he was both in heaven and on earth at the same time. And Jesus was a son of God. He came to earth and as, as a son to show us how we could be God's sons as well and the things that we can do. Number three, in prayer, call forth your identity, your destiny and authority as God's appointed sons and daughters to administer God's rule on earth as it is in heaven. We have that prayer, you know, in Matthew it says, as it is in heaven, we pray this way, amen? Number four, in prayer, call forth yourself as sons to dwell in God's presence and to be displayed on earth as it is in heaven. And in prayer, number five, call forth your life to fill this earth with God's glory. And in prayer, number six, call forth yourself as a son of God to answer the groan of creation. You find that in Romans chapter eight, the whole creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God, Romans chapter eight and to restore it to its original condition and purpose. And number seven, in prayer, call forth the Jesus generation to rise up in its God-given identity as sons and take possession of their inheritance, and even of your inheritance. And we'll be talk I'll be talking more about your inheritance in upcoming weeks. But today and every day, your Heavenly Father is speaking to you. He's not silent. He's not silent. I like as many are called, but most people just leave the phone off the hook. You know, so I, there's a lot of people. I, God's, God's voice can be heard by anybody who's just open to receive. Amen? And that you are his beloved and his soul delights and he is well pleased with you. Today and every day, receive God's affirmation, his approval, his acceptance, his recognition, his recommendation, his commendation, his blessing, his endorsement, and his validation. Let me close this portion of my teaching with these scriptures and thoughts. In John 14, 20, 23, in the New King James, it says, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you, and we will come to you and make our home with you. Our promise says the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Father, the Son, and spirit have come to dwell in our spirit, which is bigger on the inside than anything we can see on the outside. We may have a physical body and with, within which our soul and spirit are contained, but in reality, our spirit is much bigger dimensionally in a place called in Christ. In Christ, we're like more than conquerors, the Bible says. We're not, we're not the tail, we're the head, Amen. And we're more than conquerors in Christ. I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. This is a, a friend of mine wrote this from South Africa. Uh, his rendition of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I, I included it in there for you. Life is large in being passionate about life. 
and relentlessly patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others with kindness. <laughs> Love is completely content and strives for nothing. Love has no desire to make others feel inferior and has no need to sing its own praises. Love is predictable and does not behave out of character. Love is not ambitious. Love is not spiteful and gets no mileage out of another's mistakes. Love sees no joy in injustice. Love's delight is in everything that truth celebrates. Love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. Love's persuasion is persistence. Persistent. Love believes. Love never loses hope and always remains constant in contradiction. Love never loses its altitude. Prophecies will cease. Tongues will pause. The quest for knowledge would be inappropriate when perfection is grasped. Amen and amen. And so now I want to talk a little more today with you on sonship. So one thing we must learn about sonship is that there are no quick ways for us to get there. There's no shortcuts. You can't get a dose of sonship and all of a sudden you know everything. It's a relationship with the father. See, where there's a father, there's sons. And where there's sons, there's fathers. You know, the Bible says we have not many fathers, but we need more fathers. Amen? Who can help us? But as I, as I have repeated several times, you can only be a son or a daughter in relationship to the reality that you have a father, a daddy, and you are in relationship with him. But we have to get to that place. See, your sonship has to be walked out in relationship every day of your life here on earth. And if we choose to spend five minutes a week in building our relationship with the Father, then our ability to know ourselves as sons and daughters is going to be five minutes, weeks worth, which is really not that much. If you have, if you're in a marriage or you have a maid or if you have a friend, and you only spend five minutes a week with that person, can't have much of a relationship. Amen? How I many know it doesn't work that way? It doesn't work that way horizontally, nor does it work that way vertically with God. See, God wants to woo us and draw us in love to experience that relationship so that we want more and more and more and more of him. And, and all of us express that differently. <laughs> Some of us express that in a relationship in prayer, having a, a passionate relationship in prayer. Some people will exp express that relationship in praise and worship. They just, that's, all, that's where they find their relationship with God the, the most satisfying. Some people will find that relationship in just studying the word of God, digging in deep finding out the words of the Greek and, and the parsing guides and finding out uh, the etymological study of, of words and things that are in the Bible that you can spend millions of days on just studying the word of God. It's inexhaustible. You can't exhaust it. But everybody gets that relationship in a different way. And we have to be willing as people of God to love one another as all of us in this room even are different. And all of us don't all express that relationship the same way. That's where love comes in. 
Amen? Where we love one another regardless. We're not all the same. And if you try to make everybody like you, it's going to only be you and an island by yourself. Amen? And so another way of a more and more understanding is if you went to Ezekiel. Let's just go to Ezekiel. It's one of my favorite things about getting into deeper with God kind of concepts. Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 5. You could actually read to verse 12 if you wanted to, but we're going to cut it at 5. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. That way. (laughs) Right here today. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces the east. And there was water running on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. How many don't know how long a cubit is? From your elbow to the end of your finger, that's a cubit. From the elbow to the end of your fingers, approximately 18 inches. If you were interested. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm just giving you what it says and what I've studied in the past. <clears throat> and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. How many enjoy ankle deep when you're swimming? How many, how many, when you first go into the pool or the ocean, let's use the ocean, usually you start with your feet. And then you get up to your ankles. Amen? In verse 4 he said he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees. I mean, I know we're a little deeper now into the knees. Amen? And again, he measured 1,000, and he brought me through the water, and it came up to my waist. I mean, if the water's ice cold, I ain't there. But if it's warm and inviting, I like swimming in a pool that's about 90 degrees. (laughs) And then he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. This is how we're going deeper in the things of the Lord. And he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. There are depths in God. And when we're in that deep river, the good thing about it is he's in charge. He carries us. Amen? And you know what's not different between a river and a lake? If you go in swimming in a lake, you can always come back to your towel. But if you go in a river, you're down river, <laughs> you can't get nothing. And if you're going on a canoe trip down the Mohican, you better have a bus waiting for you down there to bring you back seven miles. Otherwise, you're walking. And it's not pretty. <laughs> But why do you ask so we can live in and from that relationship with our Heavenly Father? See, it's not just a morning quiet time or a noisy daytime 
Father God wants us to walk with him and live with him all the time. All the time. All the time. Say all the time. 1 Corinthians 16, 7 in the New King James says, But the one who joins himself or herself, I, I put that in there for you ladies, to the Lord is one spirit with him. See, sonship is about being positioned so much in the Father so that he can position us as his express image into creation. All of creation all around us is waiting for us to become the sons and daughters of God, understand who we are in Christ, and manifest the love of God to them. In the stores we go, in Sam's Club, Costco's, wherever you go, to the banks you go, to the gas stations you go. The, the world is waiting for us to manifest Christ to them, to show them the goodness of God. The kindness of God. Romans chapter 2 says, For it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not the wrath of God, but the goodness of God. The world doesn't need to know how bad they are. They already know that. What they need to know is how to get to the goodness of God. How to get to the cross. How to know the cross. And understand the cross. Amen? And it says we are his sons. We are his representatives. So he wants... <clears throat> to place us in positions where creation responds to us and will bring restoration to it. That is why he's teaching us about sonship. He wants us to learn about what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. And it's not just about laying hands on someone and they will get well, and that is something we are mandated to do in this realm anyway. It is far more significant and far-reaching than that. It's when you're by yourself alone. I said, that's, this is the thing. If you're by yourself alone, God wants your life still to be a son. And if you start thinking that way, that you're a son of God all the time, you'll stop sinning. You won't sin anymore. But when you're not thinking yourself a son, or you're just thinking yourself a dirty old sinner, then you're just going to be a dirty old sinner. And you're going to start sinning like a dirty old sinner. But the Bible says, as a man, Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. <clears throat> so it's good that we line up with the word of God. Amen. So sonship is about being positioned and seated. As the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. That we're seated in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. And enthroned in heaven. So it is there that our <coughs> governmental position. Can be manifested through our lives. And when we are seated in heavenly places. We can administer in heaven and outwork on earth. See, if we have our relationship high and above all the problems of the world, it's easy to minister on earth. And we can do both at the same time, it says in your Bible. Your Bible says that. See, sonship then is more about a gateway for the Father to touch the earth through our lives, through who we are in Christ. And Jesus said the Father who, in John 14, 10, Jesus said, the Father who lives in me does his work through me. There's a lot of people who think that when Jesus got up in the morning before he went out to minister in the marketplace or wherever he was, a lot of people thought that maybe Jesus went up to the mountain and prayed to get from God the list for the day. It doesn't work. There's no list to get. Jesus was in constant relationship with the Father. 
That's why whatever the father's heart wanted, he did. It was just a part of the lifestyle. It was part of the relationship. Amen? And that's what sonship is about. The father did not operate independently of Jesus, nor Jesus independently of the father. They acted in total cooperation and relationship with one another. It was just, hey, this is us. We're one. We're one in the spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one. Amen? And we have a, that life in us. That's why 1 Corinthians 6, 17 said that. We want to get that point where we are joined to the Lord in one spirit with him, where we cannot tell whether it is us doing something or the spirit doing it. And it really doesn't matter either way, just long as somebody is seeing the manifestation of a son and daughter of God and creation is getting a touch from God. That's what creation needs. That's what this world needs. It needs love. It needs encouragement. It needs mercy. It needs love. And some people need to be knocked on the head more than one time with love. Because I don't even know what that thing is. See, sonship is about being that gateway. And the way we do that is changing. It's used, it used to be that a man of power for the hour would stand up in front. A man of the hour with the power, Schombach, Benny Hinn, Coleman, Catherine Coleman. But what the Father wants to happen today in his church is that everyone is equipped to do what God is saying to them. And, and that's everywhere you go. You know, when I, walk, when I walked in the, anywhere I go to do shopping or be with people, wherever I go, <laughs> I tell God, I'm ready. You want to do something, I'm ready. Just give me the cue. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be there. Amen? See, God wants us all to be equipped to release his love to release the power into other people's lives, to do so because we actually see what is going on in us and what is God is doing in us, and then we can direct the flow of the grace of God to touch the precise areas that people need to be healed in. And people need a touch. People we minister to, the people we work around, they need a touch of God. And when we can all be equipped to be like Jesus, to do things Jesus did in the same way that he did them, then we will be able to go on to do as he asked us to do in John 14, 22. He says, he said, greater works than these shall you do. <laughs> One of those greater works is working together as a body of Christ. But Jesus had the heart of the Father to heal people that day. And then creatively, as the son chose how to do it. I mean, he's just waiting for us to be aggressive, to be spontaneous, to be in love with the people that he's in love with. And not to see them as bad or wicked or I, I, I don't want no part of them. No, we, we can't see it. God sees and God loves them. For God so loved the world. He's not picking and choosing. He's not kicking people to the side. The Bible says God's not willing that any would perish, but all would be saved. He wants them all saved. But we can all do a little part. Sometimes you have to work with the person a long time before they even say yes to Jesus. You know, it takes time sometimes. 
to get them where they need to be. And since as sons we are seated in heavenly places knowing his heart because of our relationship with him, up and down, here and there, and throughout the day we are continually connected to his heart so we can be where we need to be and do what we need to do flowing in relationship with him. See, when you have a relationship, everything flows. There's no barriers. You know, there's no, there's no stone walls. But everything always comes back to relationship with him. Relationship with the Father. Relationship with the Son. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, God's ways are always relational. And God, if God had his way, the only theology you would get from him is relational theology. Because he's all about relationships. And how many know it takes time sometimes to build those relationships? Especially with some neighbors that could be cankerous to you. You know? So sometimes it takes more than one, you know, one try at a, a love thing. You know, more than one pie. Or more than one pizza to your neighbor to try to get them to know Jesus. But his ways are relational, not functional or stru structural. structural. If formulas always worked, then we would never need a relationship. Because everybody, I mean, I, I've read all my life. I've been knowing the Lord now for over 40 years. I've, I've read every formula under the sun. And I just tell you right now, formulas don't work. What works is relationship. Amen? See, God has not set it up that way because he only works through relationships. And if there's anything, if you want my opinion, this is my opinion. If you want, if you want to know anything that I believe the church is weak on, it's this, relationships. We've got to work hard to make our relationships work. Amen? And it's so easy to be offended. Easy. Sometimes we're offended just in our imagination that, about a person that they're not even thinking what we're thinking. It's just the enemy working in our heads or our flesh working in our heads <coughs> to divide us up. But God has not set it, that, set it up. He, only, he, he, is, he is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And relationship is the core of his nature. So sonship is about being involved in the restoration of all things back to God's original desire and design. How many, some of you I know have the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. I know, Marie, you have one. Uh, Kevin has one. Marie has one. Teresa. You get a chance today, go home and look in the back of the Bible. James Robinson has a whole section in the back. A whole section in the back on restoration. And how, and how important it is. And what happens when God restores us back. It is so phenomenal, it's just unbelievable what God does in our lives through restoration. So sonship is about being involved in the restoration of all things back to God's original design and desire in our lives. And that includes and begins with us. He wants us to be totally restored, made whole, and our image conformed to his original pattern. Not this world, not conformed to the world, but conform to the image of Christ. Amen? And it goes beyond us into everything else he created. When you start to know the heart of God, the heart of the Father, you begin to feel how passionate he is about restoring everything. That's what Jesus was all about. He came to get us back to where we were supposed to be. After the fall of Adam and the craziness of everything else that happened in the world. Amen? 
And it's not just that eventually he will have the end and agree with the beginning. He does not want anything to remain. God doesn't want, to make, want, to, want, to, want anything to remain unrestored. <coughs> All restoration is done through God and us together in relationships. A father and son's family business of restoration. How many know we're all carpenters for God? <laughs> we're all plumbers for God. We're all drywall people for God. Because we're doing restoration in the house. See, the whole of the new covenant is all about sonship and relationship with the heart of the Father. And when restoration is accomplished, then it can it can, all, it can continue to develop and release from the hiatus that we have been through for the last few thousand years into what it will be and was always intended to be. Hey, where we're at right now is a great place in Christ. We are in a new everlasting spirit covenant called the new covenant. If you don't believe it, read 1 Corinthians 11 about communion. Jesus said, this is my blood in the new covenant can't be confused about which covenant you're in. Amen? <clears throat> and we need to get beyond Adam into what we call, what, all, what, what can all become as God's sons. I don't know about you, but I left. Adam has left the, the building, and I'm living in Graceland. Amen? And God is wanting to mature us all so that we can be a part of the decision-making process of heaven. It's not just about earth. It's about us being in both realms at the same time. Heaven and earth, same time. Heaven and earth, same time. How I many know oh, that's river water? How I many that's deep water? That's more and more. Amen? See, God does not want to do things independently of us, like he didn't want to do things independently of Jesus. He has chosen to include us in his kingdom government, and without his kingdom government, there's not, it's not complete. God is sovereign. But in his sovereignty, he has chosen us to be his forever family. God was not happy with one son named Jesus. He wanted a family of sons all over the world, all over the earth, telling everybody about his love and his goodness. For God so loved the world. Amen? And we are called as sons to be part of the Jesus generation of forerunners of heavenly intimacy who have spied out the land beyond the veil and who have become wooed by the Father into restored sonship. That's a long sentence. I almost feel like Jack Haver. That guy used to have sentences so long that it was three pages long. Thank God he's in heaven. That guy was a wordsmith. I don't know if you ever heard Jack Haver preach. I used to, at the first conference I went to Jack Haver's conference in California... I had to go out and buy another piece of luggage to get home. He gave us 40 books for free to take home for all the pastors, all the 3,000 pastors that were there. He was so, such a giving man. I said, I says, next year when we come, I'm bringing extra luggage so I can get all my books home from this guy. Amen? But this Jesus generation here in this new everlasting spirit covenant are called to experience the precepts, the character, and the nature of God himself. And it's not just about knowing things, it's about experiencing things. And I tell you what, today in praise and worship, I was experiencing the Lord. 
I was experiencing heaven. I was experiencing the angels. Amen? Because that's because the essence of who God truly is is love. God is love. First John. Amen. Chapter 4. And he will never finish this thought. We, it, we will never finish this thought today, so I'll give you some brief thoughts today and try to finish it up in two or three weeks. But Father God is love, and why is this important? Because if we're going to enter into the relationship with him as sons, we will want to know what he really is about. I'll tell you what, sometimes I think I know everything I need to know about God, and then God shows up and does something different. And I say, what? Who? How? Are you kidding me? And no matter how long you've been saved, many who start understanding themselves in Christ as sons and daughters also start learning about God the Father like never before. I've, w- I've woken up some days and say, what? We're going to do what today? But when I started this journey as a son, it was a good thing because my father, God, is so much better than I had previously thought. How many have ever discovered that about the father? He is so much better than I previously thought. And our father is not at all, I mean, our father is not at all about who religion and cultures have made him out to be. See, each in their own way have misunderstood and therefore misrepresented him. We should be in a time where the world can't wait to get to church. We should be living there. But how does the church display itself to the people? A lot of people are very, and, and church, a lot of church people are very angry. And if you're displaying anger to those out, people out there, they're not going to want to know your God, are they? I mean, if you're displaying all this crazy stuff, like, you know, there's a lot of people. That's why I believe the book uh, Misunderstood God was written by Darren Hufford. If you haven't read that book, buy it and read it. The Misunderstood God by Darren Hufford. Daryl Hufford. Daryl was a pastor in, um, I think, Colorado, pastoring 7,500 people. And he got the revelation of the new covenant and the grace message. And he started teaching it from his pulpit. And his board called him in and said, if you keep teaching this message, you're fired. He says, you don't have to fire me, I quit. He was pastoring 7,500 members. And when he got the revelation of the new covenant, he started preaching it. And he found out that many people, even in his own church and his own board and his own elders, had a misunderstanding about God. See, our Heavenly Father is not an old man with a beard. He's not a Santa Claus figure. He's not an Old Testament angry God somewhere up there and who needs to be appeased with animal sacrifices. This is how he is often portrayed, but he is not like that. See, the Father is not watching and waiting for us to get it wrong so he can punish us. that again is a view of God that makes people afraid of getting close to him. Why would you want to get close to an angry God? Why would you want to have a relationship with somebody who's angry? Amen? Is that true or am I just shooting some words out? But that's the view of God that makes people afraid of getting close to him because they're fearful 
that he will punish them if they don't get it perfectly right. The Father is not the angry face of a two-faced God of which the good nature side is Jesus. They are both exactly the same love. I could go on for hours on how so many have misrepresented God. Hours. But you don't have that much time and I don't want to be here that long. But the reality is God wants us to change our thinking about him. And that happens in the new covenant as sons and daughters of God. See, the true reality is that God loves us. So he will only allow what is going on to be used for our good. That's all. For our good. And now that, and now that even means he allows us to make choices about our own life. How many have made some choices about their own life that have not turned out well? Just three? All the rest are perfect in here? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> and some of the consequences comes out, come out of our own choices, but he will not allow those consequences to stop us from coming into the fullness of our sonship. He can never do anything that is unredeemable because Jesus has dealt with everything on the cross. And so the Father is fully represented in and by His Son and love, and is a loving and a caring, compassionate dad who deeply desires all His sons and daughters to be in intimate love relationship with Him. He just wants us to go deeper. He says, I'm tired of you standing in ankle-deep water. Come on in deeper. Get into your knees. Get into your waist and if you want, jump in the river with me. Amen? And that is his passion. And he is at work in our lives all the time to seek to bring us into that same relationship with him. 